Welcome to the SAP Concur Conversations podcast. Each episode, we sit down with industry experts, visionaries, and leaders as they share what it takes to build forward-thinking spend programs. Our goal is to get you to think differently about how your organization spends money. My name is Jean Dyan, and I am the Vice President of the Value Experience team here at SAP Concur. My team works with our customers to bring positive business outcomes based on data-driven insights. Today, I'm joined by Anil Delawala and Paul Carr of Accenture, and we're going to talk about how CFOs can make better, faster, and more strategic decisions that will future-ready their organizations and set the stage for success. Gentlemen, would you mind introducing yourselves? Anil, let's start with you. Thank you so much, and thanks for having me on. By way of introduction, um, I lead Accenture's CFO and Enterprise Value Strategy practice, um, and I work with CFOs and their leadership teams across two dimensions. One, really transforming and, and driving optimization across the finance function, but also partnering with them to drive enterprise-wide transformation given the unique role CFOs tend to play um, in an enterprise. So thanks again for having us. Paul, over to you. Thanks, Anil. And uh, likewise, it's a pleasure to be part of this uh, podcast. Uh, so I do sit within our SAP um, Intelligent Business Platform Technology business. I am the HXM ecosystem lead for solutions, which uh, includes SAP Concur. Uh, and my real focus is in driving the employee experience powered by SAP solutions. So uh, looking forward to having this conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thank you both for being here today. I, I, I think about this in many different ways, but one of the first things I think about when I think about finance and the finance motion, I actually do think about history because reporting what has happened has typically been a predominant role for our finance uh, organization and for our finance leaders really, but there's a movement to move from that historian aspect to almost like a soothsayer for the organization as itself. That digital transformation has hit the C-suite. You know, there's other areas that have digitized and automated, but now those C-level executives are actually being asked to fuel kind of an enterprise look at organizations. So I'm going to toss it back to you all to see what have you been hearing and, and why is that CFO the focus of this reinvention of the interconnected enterprise highway? You are so right. And, and I love the way you, you summed it up in terms of that interconnected highway. So more and more what we are seeing and, and hearing from our CFO clients is the increased responsibility that they're taking on for enterprise reinvention, total enterprise reinvention. That study that you mentioned at the top around paradox of choice for CFOs, what we found was more than 90% of CFOs are feeling like they're being asked to do more than their predecessors were asked to do, more than they have done in prior years. And they're being asked to do that across the enterprise, whether that's optimizing the operations and finding productivity, or accelerating growth and, and, and driving top line. And ultimately, it's because of the unique role the CFO plays in, in a company. They obviously, along with the CEO, you know, have, have a unique relationship with the board. But they're also responsible for driving collaboration and transformation across the C-suite in partnership in an interconnected way to the point where 68% of CFOs 
are driving three or more enterprise-wide transformation initiatives in parallel. And those span the gamut from sustainability and ESG type items to workforce and workplace to drive improved employee experience to digital and process transformation to, to yield productivity and processes. So it's really about the, the, the step forward CFOs are taking and leveraging the insights of a digital core that enables them to collaborate better, but also be more predictive and prescriptive as well. And I know when I hear this, I think about it from a perspective of value, value to the organization, value to the employees, value to the shareholder. It's an, it's an entire ecosystem of, of value. But what does value mean to an organization when we're looking at um, this type of digitization and pulling together of strategy to make it a more cohesive uh, unit of operation? Maybe I'll start and then ask um, Paul to chime in here, particularly around the experience angle. But um, you know, the, the way we think about value is is a 360 degree notion of value. So there's the traditional notion around financial value, around what are you adding to the top line and the bottom line. But there's also elements around sustainability, around the ESG agenda. There's elements around customer experience and and you know how loved you are by your customers around employee experience. There's elements that are also, you know, very specific to any industry that you may be in. It may be around, you know, having a transparent supply chain. It may be around making sure you have, you know, um, resources that are coming from conflict-free zones, so on and so forth. So it really is about taking an entire stakeholder lens of value and not just the traditional financial lens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, some of it from an employee perspective is they want to be able to focus on their core job, their core function within the business and not be bogged down by administrative activities. And so if you think about expense management, it's something that all employees have to do, even though we, you know, we've had this tough time with the, the pandemic. There's always still been a level of expense being generated, even if policies have changed with the work from home, et cetera. But as an employee, I want to be able to do my expenses quickly, effectively, get them submitted through the process, be reimbursed, so that I can focus on the value creation that I'm looking to deliver for the company and the role that I have. And then for the CFO, they'll be looking at it in terms of their team who've got to process those expenses, they've got to audit those. They want that activity be, to be seamless and as easy as possible so that, again, they can focus on the slightly more strategic or more higher value activities within that particular function. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that higher activity, Paul, because um, I think about work being tactical versus strategic and so many of the people coming into the workforce these days have um, a lot of experience and focus on strategic because many of the tactical functions have been taken care of through automation, correct? So you, when you're looking at that employee experience and you're looking at that automation of process and kind of reinventing your systems, can you talk a little bit about how employee experience is really a, kind of a crux in that 
type of piece for the organization and that why CFOs are really having to pay attention to it. It's not just the chief human resources officer that's looking at this anymore. It's really involving the CFO. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So what we're seeing again is that you, you, you've got a, a whole generation of people joining the workforce who've got a set of expectations and a, a set of views on how they want to interact with systems. And expense management is one of those ones where they, they're not used to spreadsheets, right? We're, we're having a whole group of people coming in. They're not used to spreadsheets. They're used to wanting to do things on an app. They want to be able to do everything digital on the go. Uh, they want to have this ecosystem of solutions behind there that makes life easy. So if I go off and uh, you know entertain someone or I go to a hotel and stay, I just have to worry about checking in, check out. It's all touchless, but all of that data is being provided to a system without me having to do much to interact with it. So that's just one of the starting points around that employee experience. If that admin activity is seamless and easy for me, I feel like, okay, I can focus on what I've been asked to do for the company. And then that will start to expand that into the procurement function or to other business functions as well for those employees. And again, as I mentioned earlier, if you're going into that finance function, you're going to be looking at how do I add more value? How do I do things for the, the company? That doesn't mean I'm sitting there checking receipts because it's automated. There's some AI being involved for this to be able to check things. And I'm looking at just those outliers or anomalies and then more than anything else. Yeah, I and often, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Anil. No, I was just gonna build on Paul's point of, of, of the concept of these transformations that occur in parallel. The ones that are truly unlocking business benefit, truly driving differentiated employee experience are ones that are interconnected, but, but running in parallel rather than operating in their own silos where you know TE is doing something separate from accounting separate from procurement separate from fpna separate from hr it's this notion of enterprise reinvention where you know th there's this concept of it being a compressed transformation compressed in the sense that they're happening in parallel in a compressed time frame rather than serial and siloed. And being able to coordinate that with the lens of how is this going to impact my employees, impact the experience, it makes it truly powerful. Mm -hmm. When I think about this, I, I often, <laughs> I joke that Pete, nobody comes out of college these days saying, I wanna be an AP clerk or I want to be a line item auditor. That's really what I want to do with my life. It's that old monster.com ad, you know, I want to be a mid-level manager. I think about it as the idea that this becomes a competitive advantage, these types of roles, because it's not just where you're working on business problems of sustainability or customer delight, you're actually working on delight of the employee and getting the most that you can out of every employee to ensure that they're skill set is being used at the highest value for an organization. I think that's that's really where these projects tend to, to, to move forward. Would you disagree with that or have anything to add? No, you're, you're spot on. And I would actually take it further in the sense that it's not only an expectation that employees and customers have, but they are very um, 
adept at picking out where it's it's not true transformation and it's only transformation theater, right? Where the where there's an illusion of change and an illusion of transformation, and it's the words behind it, but the investment and the behaviors that are needed to follow through on it aren't there. Employees are saying, I don't want to play along with that transformation theater anymore. I truly want to, you know, go deep and be part of the winning culture that is going to to the, the better, uh, you know, promised land, so to speak. Yeah. And, and just to add to that, again, that, that's one of the biggest challenges that I, I can see currently with some of the clients that I'm engaged in and talking to who are on a much broader transformation journey is they don't really know where to start, right? There's a lot of risk. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of discomfort. And to pick up on the point that Anil made about making this transformation a real journey, why not start with something that will bring your employees along from the beginning? get them involved use it as a trial right from a from a business transformation there's certain processes that you can take out in isolation before you go into a mega transformation or completely changing your whole operating model or the way that you work why not take something small use that as the pilot for the next thing because you can build upon that you can learn from it you can get that feedback you can get the employees involved and engaged and you know, find out where it's not worked. Okay, again, it's expense management. It's not mission critical. It's not business critical, but it's got a high emotional impact if it goes wrong. And so doing something like this is a great way of testing up that transformation journey and to the point Anil was making, making it real, not just a bit of theater. Mm -hmm. you, you, this reminds me of this thing that I've run into with our customers. Our customers are getting paralyzed with trying to figure out where to start, right? There's some sort of analysis paralysis because when you look at what organizations are facing, there's changes related to sustainability and how are we gonna bring that to the forefront? And it affects almost every single piece of the organization. So how do we tie all that data together? We've got that whole idea about employee retention and recruitment. How are we going to get that next level of leader, that next level of worker who is engaged and feels like they're part of what they're doing we have that operational scalability. We can do it in one area, but we've never really scaled it across. There's process improvement, there's cost containment, there's increased revenue growth. There's so many things. And when you look at it all at once, it becomes this kind of, oh my God, what do I do? And you talked about things running in parallel. How does a CFO's style and persona affect how this can become a very positive outcome for the for the organization versus sitting there paralyzed about what we're going to be doing yeah and that's the fundamental premise of the paradox of choice and, and to put a finer point on it what we found was you know as empowered as powerful as cfos are two-thirds of them feel paralyzed at times because of the volume and velocity of choices coming at them. And then the, you know, implications of, of their decisions. And so, you know, we see CFOs that are successful doing a couple of things. Um, one of them gets exactly to the, to their style and their decision-making attitude. The first is, is this concept of running and reinventing in parallel and, and having the foot in today and the foot in tomorrow. And the balance between being a financial steward 
and the balance between, you know, being the communication lead to external stakeholders, but also internal to the company so that you're setting the expectations on what this transformation is going to look like, what are the key moments in that journey going to be, and what are the benefits each of the stakeholders can expect. And in that way, they really light up the second dimension that successful CFOs have, which is they are collaboration creators. So the days of where the CFO issues a top-down target and a top-down mandate and then just you know pounds their fist on the table, we're seeing that that type of CFO isn't achieving the transformational enterprise-wide outcomes. But instead, what we're seeing is CFOs that are helping their C-suite peers break down decision-making silos, deconstruct decisions and understanding the interconnected nature of them, bringing people to the table, making people you know, um, feel like they're, they've been heard and seen and, and are bought in, and then framing those decisions in a, in a concept of strength uh, from a competitive posture perspective. Those collaboration creating type of CFOs really are up leveling the performance of, of the enterprise. And ultimately that comes back to a style and a persona of the CFO and, and have they developed that muscle, have they developed the articulation of, of, of that collaboration as they got to, to, to the post? And, and that's key as well in in terms of the actual implementation. You you need that collaboration across the suite, the C suite. So if you think about, and again, just putting in the simple context of expense management, you need to engage with your CHRO because typically they may own certain policies. You need to engage with the CIO, you know, and your your technology because it's got to integrate into your different systems. So. If you can start that journey, and, and again, the CFO is the person who's kind of who's going to drive this. If they can build that collaboration across the C-suite, get them all on board in the journey and, and where the values are and where it's going to be a benefit to the business, test it out and run it, you're going to start building up that network and trust in each other to then be able to take that next step in that bigger transformation journey that really has a significant impact across the enterprise. Bring a really great point up there, Paul. It's that idea that these changes that are happening are not just static. They're not one and done. This is a mindset of continuous improvement. So building those foundational elements of cooperation and being part of a larger organization that's looking at a broader view of how you do business and when you do business and what you're using to do that business to your point, whether it's an expense software or procurement software or anything else. It's that idea that this will continually grow and change. You can't really just sit and rest on your laurels anymore, can you? And it's a different skill set than what you had before, where you were highly analytical and just constantly looking at numbers. This requires people to have a broader set of people skills and to your point, collaboration skills to be successful in this role, which is really different than it was maybe 30 years ago or even 20 years ago. I would add to to that and say, that's why digital core and, and data type of the digital core 
become even more important because of, of, of your you know, um, call out around this being a continual renewal, a continual reinvention and then you know, continuous improvement type of way. Without the right um, data and platforms enabled by cloud and AI you know, with the right security around it, it really becomes difficult to, to continue the journey after the first step and then the second step, it, it it really begins to break down rather than being this continuous upward trajectory where you continue to benefit from you know, visibility and transparency of data around predictive nature of algorithms, around the benefit of you know, having a, a infrastructure that is protected and 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 you know always improving. And so it goes hand in hand with, you know, in order to have business outcomes that reflect continuous reinvention, I need to have a digital core that has, you know, a renewal and a refresh rate embedded within it to keep up with the business. That leads me to a question around, I, I, I know we toss this phrase around a lot, but the future proofing or that planning for the future, this really is continuous improvement really is truly planning for the future and current situations that have happened, um, that are happening now really honestly happened in the past, but you mentioned the phrase, you know, velocity and volume. I don't think these things have all happened at once where we've had, you know, 12 month period where we've had supply chain issues, a pandemic, um, you know, uh, civil unrest. Uh, we've had uh, just, just a myriad of things. When you wake up every day, you're like, I'm sure locusts are coming soon. I'm just waiting for them. So when we think about that and um, we think about those current situations in that current environment, is there any advice that you can give to CFOs and people in the C-suite as overall as to what they should be doing to ensure that they have that future proofing, that they have that positive? Is, is it around investing in the organization? Is it around planning to, you know, staying the course, even if there's some bumps in the road, what would you recommend? And you didn't even mention, you know, inflation and geopolitical yes. tensions and, and, you know, it, it, it keeps amplifying, right? I ran out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in terms of the capabilities we see in order to cope with this myriad of factors coming at them at ever increasing velocity and volume, we're seeing a couple of things that really differentiate and allow you know certain organizations to to outcompete and outperform. One, it, it's the it's the ability to have a scenario planning capability, a robust scenario planning capability that is you know has the right data sources. It's agile, so you can make quick turns on it, and it doesn't take you a month to do a scenario. Um, but ultimately, it it, it brings together data that you have internal to the company, data that you're getting from third-party data sources or macroeconomic type information to, to say, where should I make decisions? Not in a monolithic sense, but in a customer segment by customer segment, market by market, channel by channel type of way. And then having the wherewithal from a leadership capacity perspective, but also a investment capacity perspective to say, if I pull back the reins on all of my investments, I am consigning myself to the fate of falling behind. And so you may need to move investments around on the game board, 
but realizing what investments are you going to allow, allow you to take share and allow you to differentiate and doubling down on those while perhaps rationalizing the other things that you had on the table, but, but stepping away from all of those investments is really going to limit your ability to not only compete in the now, but set yourself up for the future as well, whether that's from an employee lens or a customer lens. I think about this from the idea of the good expense versus the bad expense. And I think of something near and dear to my heart, travel bans. As you start to look at how you're going to pull expenses back and be cost containing, many organizations just say, that's it. Nobody's traveling for the rest of the year. But in some cases, this actually is an investment that you may need to make and you may need to not make this broad declaration that this is going to happen and this is how it's going to be because you leave yourself in the lurch and open yourself to a perhaps competitor getting in there who has taken a look at the data and really thought about what they want to invest in from a good expense versus a bad expense perspective. And Paul, I was just going to ask from from your perspective as we look at, you know, expense reporting and expenses overall, whether it's travel-based or non-travel-based that come through expense reports, are we seeing customers still working to those travel bans? I know I've seen some, I've seen some open up. I heard some statistics this morning that the majority of airfare rebound and hotel rebound has not been through business travel. It has been through individual travelers. So do we have any advice on how you would take a look at those, those pieces of spend within your organization to optimize it? So I'll give you, my perspective on on i think on how businesses have responded and, and reacted so you know there were some significant cost savings when the pandemic came along and travel stopped because it was enforced and businesses and a large number of businesses were able to continue functioning and operating uh, to such a point that even though things are becoming slightly easier and there's more freedom to travel businesses are still seeing well we we could survive and we did well in fact, in some cases, businesses improve significantly and manage their costs by not having people travel. But I think as individuals, we miss that interaction with people in person. So I think you're seeing there the stats coming up that are around individual travel because people got fed up with working from home offices. They wanted to get out and about again. But what I am seeing, though, is a, is a trend is a lot more companies are putting in pre-approval processes to really justify in advance the reason for the travel and why they're going and what's the value proposition from it and, and really putting in now a lot more pre-approval rather than you had blanket approval, you could go and travel and off you go, no problem, no questions asked, to really now pre-approval. And a lot of it is really to manage and contain some of that spend and, and just really make sure it's the right the right spend and then when it is approved it's going via the right channels to get that data back in and, and also to add to it you know that traceability of where are your employees if something as you said in this climate that we have something untoward was to happen we could help our employees get them back home from wherever they are yeah i you know i often describe that pre-approval for travel as almost like a purchase order for traveling. We're so used to making purchase orders and putting in purchase requests around larger dollar spend and 
corporations have gotten really used to it, travel is probably the last frontier where that pre-approval isn't organized or um, automated in a way that it has been in a purchasing perspective. So that's a really great perspective there that, that, that you have. Thank you for bringing that up. It's uh, always at the top of my mind. Purchase orders for traveling. Um, so I, I, I know I could talk to you for a very long time and I'm hopeful that I will get to talk to you again because in addition to the paradox of choice for the CFO, there is going to be an additional study coming out as almost a follow-up or an, ad, an additional um, uh, extension of what you're describing here. And so I would recommend to anybody, uh, please go out and take a look at that, that study. It's really fascinating and there's some incredible information in there. So don't you know, go out onto the Accenture website and please feel free to request a download of it. Um, but I know you're going to be coming back, I hope, fingers crossed, to talk to me about that next level. I could talk to you all day, but what I really want to to see if I can cap encapsulate what we talked about here. So that kind of idea that now CFOs, instead of being kind of a, a back office kind of function where really only the analysts ever saw them and, and, and served with them, they're really up there leading from the front now from a, a larger organizational perspective, in some ways filling um, a, a, a role that similar you would see across other areas of the C-suite. They're back up there and they're kind of coordinating. And they're actually the ones who are putting together some of this scenario planning. They need to take a look at how they're doing their work they need to make sure that the organization is working together in a cooperative way rather than in silos and, and bring that organization into a more structured, uh, long-term planning type view rather than just, you know, kind of that historical, this is what happened. This is not only what happened, this is what's happening now, and this is where we're going in the future, and you need to be on board with me, and there's how we're going to get there. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I got it. <laughs> you, 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 you passed the, you passed the test. Passed uh, you, the test. <laughs> yeah. You're ready. For, you're ready for your second level uh, exams. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited for that second level. And again, I want to thank everybody for, for listening in with us. I want to thank you both for being part of this conversation. It's really been a pleasure to talk with you and, and learn from you. This is really quite, um, quite an extraordinary topic, and it's one that I've been thinking about for a long time, so I'm thrilled to have you here. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the SAP Concur Conversations podcast. To hear more exclusive insights and interviews from the world of business travel, expense, and invoice processing, be sure to subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcasts. And please join us again for our next SAP Concur Conversation.